Hello, and thank you for choosing The Balanced Life with Diabetes with Anita Westlake. In today's episode, I'd like to discuss the difference between dysfunctional management and difficulties in managing your diabetes and how it affects your relationships. And here to share with us is Dr. Beth Erickson. She's a doctor in psychology and has published three books, one on Amazon's bestsellers list, Sissies Isn't for Marriage. Hi, Dr. Beth. Thanks for joining me today on Choosing the Balanced Life with Diabetes. Hi, Anita. It's nice to be with you. Great. So today I wanted to um, discuss a few things in this podcast. And um, I understand that you're a doctor of psychology and you work with families, couples, and relationships. Mm-hmm. And so... When dealing with diabetes or a chronic illness and people come to you, I guess initially they come to you with a problem. Sure, that's what brings them in to to see any counselor or therapist is they've got a problem, but they don't know how to tackle it. Right, and so they have a problem, they come to you, they share, and what... They feel the problem is, um, let's say, as they walk in the door and they start to share, does it often shift and change and look like a different problem to work on later on in this session or after a couple of sessions? Uh, sure. Or you have to be careful to distinguish, is this a genuine uh, coexisting problem Or is it a subterfuge? Are they trying to avoid um, dealing with the real issue? And that's the job of the counselor or a therapist is to assess that. Right. Okay. Um, That's very interesting. So a lot of people will mask it and make a problem about something else. Yes, or somebody else. Right. So shifting... Um, the blame, or I, I hate the word blame, but in shifting as in not to kind of accept what really could be going on here and getting to the root of it and finding some strategies to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So in, right. a, in a case of, um, let's, we're going to use the example of um, two family members, it could be, you know, uh, partners uh, coming to you and now the problem is diabetes. Mm-hmm. So, there's, I guess, a few different ways of looking at, looking at this, um, but the problem is diabetes, and what they're saying is that diabetes is creating problems in their relationship. It's having right. an impact in their relationship. Right. Uh, in fact, I wouldn't even conceptualize it as the problem being diabetes. I would think of it as the problem being how they manage or mismanage the diabetes. Right. Absolutely. So whether are they, is their management dysfunctional or are they having difficulties? And how is the other person, what is their reality in, in the situation? And how can they be playing a part in all of this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how how can they help the situation, or how did they how might they hinder um, 
the increasing uh, the man the management of the person with diabetes. In other words, it's uh, it's a two-fold situation in most cases. Either people are making it better or making it worse, and and often they don't know what they're doing that's doing either. Right. So, um, and and I can completely relate to this because I think um, in a lot of cases, it's just easy to blame. Okay, um, I'm unhappy with this situation. They are a diabetic, or the diabetic's unhappy. And the other person says, well, you have diabetes and I can't deal with uh, your illness and you're not doing this or you're not taking care of yourself and I feel bombarded that I have to do everything. But really, if you push diabetes aside, a lot of people have these issues anyways. Anyway, that's right. Exactly. So, so that's why, see, if you say the issue is diabetes, you're most likely going to miss the boat because it's, um, the issue is the management or mismanagement of uh, other things, everything in their relationship. So really, if somebody came to you and said, okay, it's, it's diabetes and um, my partner's not taking care of themselves and we really want to come to you and get some help, You've already got a light going off in your head saying, ooh, there's a lot more going on here. Absolutely. And then it's the job of the therapist to figure out exactly what is going on. So it's interesting because so often um, I've heard people come to me and say, you know, they know I'm a diabetic initially. And uh, they'll say, my partner has diabetes, and oh, it's just awful. They don't do anything right. They're, they're a bad diabetic. Yeah. They're not taking yeah. care of themselves. And, um, you know, they go on and on. And you, really, your job, it, it must be difficult in the way of, you know, sorting out. Is it the illness that's impacting the relationship, or is it the relationship that's impacting the individual with this condition. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not as simple as, boy, my partner has diabetes and it's causing right. an issue. There's a whole yeah. lot to discuss and, and discover. Yes. Exactly. So once you kind of start this, uh, I'm going to call it a dance with your clients and you know, talking about some uh, what could be going on in the relationship. And let's say it comes down to there are some dysfunctional um, issues with the management of the diabetes. So now you've got the, per the one partner who's, who's in the relationship without diabetes really frustrated and mm -hmm. um, angry, and I'm sure there's going to be judgment there. And the other person who's just, they're not, let's just face it, they're just not engaged in taking care of themselves right and so what would be some strategies once that's kind of uncovered what are some strategies that you would suggest to help support getting on track here would you say um, maybe the, the person who's not taking care of themselves all that well and now it's been brought out and there's a realization of this that they get some um, counseling separate 
and then perhaps and some you know help separately and the perhaps no no okay no <laughs> okay that's where people make the biggest mistake is they think oh okay let me separate out the couple um or the parent from the child and uh, whatever whatever um and that deprives the other partner of discovering what uh, the partner with diabetes um, is experiencing. You know, I, I, I often tell clients, you don't need me to understand, although, of course, it's helpful when I do, um, you need your partner to understand. And so if, if you separate out people, you deprive them of that opportunity. Ah, I love it. Uh-huh. So they're far more engaged and can be um, supported, supportive when needed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they're just not, in real time, if there's problems with management and it's not going well. And so they're taking that journey with their partner and getting on track and knowing what it takes and then really seeing, okay, they're coming from um, a place where it's dysfunctional, but getting to where it's more manageable is can be a journey and some of the difficulties along the way. And perhaps that could shed some light on how they became dysfunctional in their management. Mm-hmm. Some of the frustrations mm-hmm. and, um, and and from time to time, you know, no matter what they're doing, it takes a long time to kind of, you know, get a feel for something and get it back on track. And in, in that space, they kind of gave up. Yes. Or they choose, unconsciously most likely, but they choose to fight about Um, the management of the other person's diabetes rather than um, learn to work together with it and with anything. You know, it's hard learning how to work together with somebody. Um, It's very hard. And then when you add a chronic illness to it, it further complicates the situation. Well, and, you know, it is, relationships are difficult. And, of course, we all have our ups and downs. And it's it's how we manage ourselves, not just with an illness, but adding that into it. It just, mm-hmm. it can be used as a weapon um, yes. against, I would say, the person without diabetes. Because we're going to take, you know, uh, partners, one with diabetes and one without. And even in the case of a child, they can use their... Um, condition as a weapon against their loved ones, or the loved ones can use it as a weapon against them. Mm-hmm. It can go both ways. And so that's yeah. got to create some turmoil and um, resentment. And of course, that can also lead to the difficulties, let's say, in the management of a condition. Sure, sure. So then the issue is not diabetes per se, it's the resentment one or both of them feel. And if they can't air that out um, with help, uh, they're going to get, their whole relationship is going to get stuck. 
And I think feel, uh, feeling very alone. You know, if you feel something's, um, and we're gonna, I'm gonna take the um, situation where diabetes is used as a weapon against the diabetic, okay? So you're feeling judged, and of course, communication in it would break down. And now you're feeling really alone. And if you're already having some difficulty, this is, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And so sorting this all out when you start to see this, and again, I'm going to take the um, side at the moment of diabetes being used against an individual because um, so often we hear people say, oh, you know, you're using it as a weapon against me where, and I'm going to give an example that I've had um, that's been shared with me where someone says, you know, um, they're really having some difficulties at that moment and they're trying to turn some things around. And so, you know, they're trying to be a little more strict with their meal timing and of course what they're eating and uh, managing their activity levels so as not to have, you know, to get into a good routine so that they can better manage their condition. And um, the partner starts becoming disengaged you know they still want to eat late let's say nine o'clock at night um they start to go out and still the meal time is late at night and then it becomes an argument and the one person with diabetes says you know i'm a diabetic i can't do some of these things can we tighten this up can you work with me and let's not eat so late and the other person says well, you know, maybe you shouldn't go to these uh, events or uh, outings with me because you have diabetes. And these are real situations that people get into arguments about. And mm -hmm. there's got to be a better strategy in dealing with these things. You know, uh, quite often it's easy to slide with the management of your condition and kind of go with the flow and not speak up. And that's part of the difficulties in managing. So when you think, okay, I'm going to get it together and you start to use your voice, you may not be using this as a weapon, but the perception may be so. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. you know, this is where when you say it should be a journey together and they should both be going through it together. Really, I, do you think some of this also is getting sorted out, kind of, you know, uh, killing a bird or killing two birds with one stone um, so that they can understand some of these phrases or bringing back the idea that, hey, I have this condition and I'm trying to manage it best I can. Can you work with me? Rather than thinking, oh, she's br or he or she has brought up diabetes again. Oh, that's all I hear. Are you using this as a weapon to control me? I know you have diabetes, but. Mm -hmm. So is there any kind of strategy that you can, um, you would suggest in a situation like this? If you have to eat dinner at, say, 5.30 or 6 o'clock and your spouse isn't home yet or doesn't want to eat um, at that hour, Go ahead and have dinner yourself. And what about the idea of them feeling, well, I'd like to have dinner. I feel that as a, you know, as a couple, we should be having dinner together. I feel as a family, we should be having dinner together. Um, 
you know, trying to make it more of a shared time, meal time. Sure, but you can't force someone to do something because you want it or even need it. Um, so you, my best suggestion is, so make the decision. Um, if you believe, as I do, that family time uh, is best shared around, for instance, the evening meal, um, and your spouse is resisting that, uh, you get the kids to the table at the hour that you need to eat and have a conversation about whatever. Um, and I bet that there's a good chance that your spouse then will want to join in. And if he, do- he or she doesn't, then um, you'll at least have dinner as a family um, despite your spouse's objections. So, and it, then you, you need to make absolutely sure you're not using your diabetes as a weapon. Right. So what you, you're saying, it, it, just to go back to the one point is, you know, do what you need to do and let's hope that uh, it will become contagious. In other words, they'll want to join in, right? Whether yeah. you're just you and your partner or you and your partner and the and your family, your children, you've got the children to the table, and then you're hoping this, well, in hopes that your partner will want to join and share in this family time and be there. Yeah. But do what you need to do initially. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, um, you know, people forget that, oh, it's okay, oh, I'll bend. And bending, you can bend. I mean, uh, some people find that they have to eat right at six for whatever reason or at five or said time. And some people have a little more room to play with and they're okay with that. But when it starts to go beyond that um, and become a regular thing, this is a, a really a great point to bring up that, you know, the first concern you should have is, okay, this is what I need to do for my health. So I'm going to do it. And then not yeah. worry about the partner. Oh, this is going to have an effect and we're on our relationship and we're not going to um, have dinners together or whatnot. In other words, what will it matter if you're not taking care of your health? Mm-hmm. And that's a great thing to, to remember and keep in mind. And, and hopefully the other party will join in. But in the meantime, you're taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. And and that's where I think sometimes it could be uh, perceived as a weapon during that period of struggle. You know, well, I need to do this, but I, the other party wants to do something else. And, you know, they may perceive um, that this condition is being used as a weapon to get them to do things that they may not be on board with, like eating at a certain time or... Um, understanding that things may have to be planned out in a certain way to, you know, better support the person living with diabetes. Mm-hmm. You know, f- meals start to change. If you have type 2 diabetes and you and your partner have been eating a certain way for some time and now you've been diagnosed and this is uh, your realities of all change and you're going to be eating better and the spouse, your partner might have a huge grumble. 
all of a sudden everything's changed where you're not buying things you're not wanting to eat these things and I want to um, and sometimes that's perceived as well just because you have diabetes doesn't mean I have to change mm-hmm. and I and I guess that's a choice that people have to make well understanding that your partner has to change and has to and they're doing it for the greater good and they can choose to get on that wagon or or not Mm-hmm. So, sorry, go ahead. It's, it's a very important thing to remember. We cannot compel um, a spouse or a child. Uh, well, children are different. That's a different category. So we cannot compel a spouse to do what we want them to do. Um, it, it just doesn't work. So... Do what you got to do, and um, as a way to work around the fact that diabetes is a third person in your marriage. It's interesting that you say that, because um, when you say you can't compel people to do what you want them to do, um, Mm -hmm. it's so important to remember that. So in saying that, even when... Um, the management is is good. I think the perception could be from another party, it's not good enough. And so they really try to force someone to take some measures that maybe they don't necessarily need to because the uh, perception of success is so very different to the individuals themselves. So mm-hmm. in other words, you know, you find out that your partner has uh, a condition and it's diabetes and you read up on it and you feel very empowered that you know quite a bit about this and you're going to support them and they're doing fairly well but you're going to get them to perfect when there really is no perfect mm-hmm. and so right. you know that can become um not a great situation some conflict and again i think it's about you know keeping the judgment out of it right um there's a time and a place where I think that that can be helpful. And, um, you know, what do you do? Like, what do you suggest to someone? Having said that, I'm just popping questions in my mind here. Um, So now you've got your partner and they're mismanaging, uh, dysfunctional management all the way to the roof. And so trying to leave judgment out is maybe not a good idea. (laughs) So how do you do this in a constructive way? We leave judgment out. And so how do you do that? Like, how? what wording? Like, to me, I would say, what the heck are you doing? Like, you've got to get control of this situation. That sounds judgmental. You to control your partner, and that never works. I bet you there are other arenas in your marriage besides management of diabetes that... Um, that are problematic because um, then people end up in a battle for control of the marriage, not just for control of the diabetes. Ah, wonderful point. So what kind of wording, if we tighten that up, let's say, and just for the moment, say, okay, it's diabetes. 
And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the partner is very aware that the diabetic is, you know, just falling off a wagon and really not taking care of themselves overall. And when I say this, I'm not, uh, if they're on insulin, I'm not implying that they're not taking their insulin, they're not doing certain things, but really um, they're not caring anymore and just eat whatever they want. And eh, I don't care how much insulin I take. I'm not going to test my blood sugar to know how much insulin or I'm not going to gauge my carbs with my pump whatever it is they've fallen off they're they're discouraged they're not feeling great um so what's some wording that we could use to be supportive to turn this around rather than judging it is very scary to me when i see you uh doing as you're doing of late um you know eating whatever you want um, whenever you want, it's very frightening to me. I, I'm, I worry that, um, you're going to get sicker and sicker. Is there a way I can help you, um, uh, do this so that it's not so, pardon my saying this, but so self-destructive? Because that's what it is. It is self-destructive. I, I think any, um, you know, any condition you have, and it doesn't just have to be, you know, diabetes, and we're not managing ourselves. It could be, there's a whole spectrum of things, um, and we're not engaged in taking care of ourselves. That is self-destructive. Mm-hmm. Sure is. And that was a beautiful way of putting that. In listening to that, and and... I'm not in the position, but if someone was to say that to me, a family member, um, I must say I would not feel judged rather than maybe an eye opener. Wow. Okay. And thank mm-hmm. you for caring. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, promoting a conversation on, yeah, okay, they want to help me. I'm, I'm not alone. Um, and, you know, strategizing together on what would make this work but what if somebody uh, is going is you know stubborn and they're going through something and um, it's obviously beyond diabetes and they put you on ignore is this something you could be uh, bringing up you know again and again or is there something else you can do okay beautiful then what would you suggest what's the strategy Um, I feel, uh, left out when you ignore the, uh, whatever, whether it's the diabetes or your management of it or whatever. In other words, (laughs) it makes a world of difference to use I statements instead of you statement. You're not doing this. You're bad. Um, you know, that is guaranteed to get the other person's hackles up. But to make an I statement, that first of all tells the other person how you're feeling about this situation. And secondly, it gives the other person choice. Very well put. I like that. So remember the I and not uh-huh. the you. Keep the you out of it. That's judgment. 
And yes, I'm just using exactly. layman terms. But, you know, because sometimes people get heated and we forget things and we say things that we don't mean to say. That, you know, it's in the heat of the moment and it's a second. But that second can linger later on with that oh, in someone's head. it will head. linger. Right. Uh-huh. And so really, maybe what we should be doing is try not to speak out of anger. Yeah. In fact, I was just working with a couple where um, they have, predictably, they have very different styles for how to manage their own anger. The husband says, just, I need 10 minutes or I need to walk into the next room. Just give me that, that space. And that freaks the wife out because she feels abandoned, even though he's in the next room. And furthermore, she doesn't know he's coming back. Um, And so we then talked about he has to learn to reassure her that, um, you know, I need a little time to calm down, but I'll be back. Those are words that are supportive. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. So really, you know, um, someone coming to you uh, with these concerns. So, you know, my partner's a diabetic and we're arguing. They're not taking care of themselves. Um, You know, this is just a nightmare. Really, there's a lot more going on than the diabetes. Absolutely. In fact, the diabetes is just... um a small part of the equation when it comes to the relationship. As it should be, really. I mean, um, realistically, um, it should be a very small part of the equation, although you do hear that, of of course, um, as a person gets older, well, they have diabetes, they have this wrong with them, they have that wrong with them. But nevertheless, it's all in your management. And and really, the bottom line from what I'm hearing from you is your communication. Yeah, exactly. It's got its key. I mean, and not just communication, because that could mean, you know, yelling and screaming and all sorts of things. Well, that's not communication as I define it. Well, no, but some people will call that communication. That's the problem. It's, you know, it's in our choosing of words. I really like, you know, that really resonates with me using the I and not the you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Even down to um, things that have nothing to do with diabetes, uh, you know, in, in having a conversation. I could even say this with my children. You know, I'm very uh-huh. upset Absolutely. when uh, it, it hurts me or bothers me when you don't, and I'm going to just use fluff at the moment, but clean your rooms because, you know, I, I, you know, in other words, I and not, you're not cleaning your room. You're not doing yes. this. Right. So you yes. could, this is really a useful tool overall in relationships. Because as you said, you're very doubtful it's the diabetes when someone would come to you with this rather than how the relationship, how they're functioning in this relationship. Yes, exactly. You know, even as children, um, I, uh, I've spoken quite a, a bit on um, diabetes at with children and parents at different events. And um, always in the Q&A. And it never fails, I have to tell you, 
I have someone, you know, they put their hand up. Oh, you know, go ahead. And the, the parent will stand up and they'll point down at the child and say, what do you do when they won't test their blood sugar? And I, you know, I look and I say, well, you can start by not approaching it that way. <laughs> Perfect example of, you know, I'm going to shame you into doing yeah. something I want you to do. Yeah. In and this, that also never works. You know, I, I looked at the child and when this ha and it happens a lot in these cases. And, it, you know, the parent isn't doing it to, um, out of not loving the child. But it certainly comes across, I'm sure, to the child as in, you know, shame, they don't care, I feel alone and judged. And this is just going to go nowhere. It's completely south. Right. And so in a situation where, you know, someone's dug their feet in and we can use the child here and they're not going to manage and the other person is just so extremely frustrated, no matter what, they should be taking a breath and using I instead of you. Mm -hmm. And That's correct. really keeping the humiliation out of uh, the situation. You see this quite often where people will bring up um, things in front of others as a way of um, a weapon, really. Uh, you're yep. going to do this on making it public so everyone can know how bad you are. Yep, exactly. And so let's say, um, so because this happens quite often, you're out somewhere, and of course there's others around, and I'm going to use food because it's very popular and, and does happen, where someone is eating something that the other party doesn't feel they should be eating in the case of diabetes, and comes out with this, what are you doing, John? You're eating this cake. You know you do this all the time. You know you shouldn't have that cake. Now, what are some strategies for the individual hearing this to kind of not, because obviously they're feeling judged, they're embarrassed, humiliated. Mm -hmm. what, is there some strategies? Is there something that they can kind of, you know, bring the other party back and say, you know, you shouldn't really be saying this to me right now. It might be a problem, but hello. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's a problem. They might want this cake, but kind of bringing the other person, let's not do this now. Let's not say this out loud now. Is there some words or strategies or phrases somebody can use to kind of put the other party who wants to err and humiliate in front of others to kind of bring them back? Bring them back to meaning. don't err in front of everyone issues. Don't try to embarrass me or humiliate me during, you know, while we're out in public. Thank you. Well, I think that goes without saying. And I think that uh, is appropriate to keep in mind on any kind of issue. And even if it's just the two of you alone, I think it's perfectly legitimate to, if you have a partner who is a shame-based person, um, to say, please don't uh, talk to me that way. Um, it makes me feel awful. 
and then I just get mad at you. And um, so, again, go back to I statements. And that really seems to be key. I instead yeah, it of is. you. Yep. It's you know. a very large key. And really, instead of, you know, um, I love this because it really kind of simplifies all this. You know, whether the condition has an impact on the relationship or does the relationship have an impact on the um, uh, condition, really, it's about the relationship, period. Yeah, that's right. So forget the condition, and I don't mean forget as in not managing it, but, you know, how are we communicating and functioning together? Right. And that goes for any presenting problem. It's not the presenting problem that's the problem. It's how people talk and deal with each other about any situation. See, that's, you know, that's so powerful to hear this because even in a case of, you know, now they've come to you and they've said diabetes is a problem. Okay, so you're pulling back the layers here like an onion. You're pulling back the skin and the flesh and you're saying, okay, it's the relationship. And now it presents itself whether the diabetes is being, you know, um, managed in a dysfunctional way or they're having difficulties still. You know, it's how we communicate to support the person who is having either difficulties in management or they're managing it in a dysfunctional way. Right. And how we right. choose to communicate in order to keep ourselves less uh, resentful and frustrated and how to support them and give them room to open up a conversation that's going to, you know, get them down that path of support and what they need to do. And you being with them along that journey. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. real, it's so easy to go to that fallout and say, diabetes. Yeah. Well, it's like waving a cape at a bull. It, you know, the, the bull charges. Um but that's all that happens. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't solve the problems that the couple are having, or the family. Period. Um, you know, mm -hmm. resentments can come up in all different ways, and even between siblings. So you have a diabetic child, and you have you know siblings that don't have diabetes. And if they're mad at their sibling, it's quite easy to say, well, mom and dad baby you. Mm -hmm. They make you more important than me. I'm left out. And you do hear this where, you know, now it's, well, you're a diabetic. So, you know, um, because you have diabetes, you get all the attention. And that's got to be hard for parents. Never mind the diabetic, but the parents too may be questioning themselves. Am I giving... The one child unnecessarily more attention and forgetting about the other child. Mm -hmm. And so do you ever deal with complete families? And I'm saying complete, not just um, the partners, but, you know, the siblings and the Absolutely. children. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I deal with multi-generational families. So grandparents, um, parents... Aunts and uncles, 
you know, adult siblings. Yeah. Because these, you know, these things do arise. And I, I do hear this where, you know, um, a diabetic has said, geez, you know, it really hurt me when my sister said, mom and dad gave you more attention than me. They babied you because you have diabetes. And they just felt awful and um, wanted to hide. It was humiliating to them. And so, you know, that's got to be a different, a difficult thing to work out. And as a family, you know, it's one thing as a, a couple to deal with this, or parent to child, but as a family, you know, to support one another and not communicate in this way that, you know, there's any strategies that you can share. Maybe a parent can talk to, you know, in the way that they can talk to their other children about this so as not to start building up these resentments. Talk to everybody together. So, it, you know, it should be talked about together as a group, not keeping, you know, okay, we're going to use, we're just going to talk to Anne about her condition and keep it separate yeah. from the other children. Yeah. And it really should yes. be a family affair. Yes. Because it is a family affair. And it really is. And I think that a lot of people forget that. They're so focused on... Um, Perhaps helping the the child will use that as an example with diabetes and not including the other children. Almost like they don't want to um, burden them. Yeah. Or feel there's not a need to know because mom and dad are handling it at the present time. Well, the kid is living in, all the kids are living in the family. Well, I, I have to share with you that so often, and I mean so very often, I hear people say um, that their siblings or that the sibling has said to me, well, I have a fa my brother or my sister have diabetes. And I said, really? And, you know, how are they doing? Oh, I don't know. I know nothing about diabetes. I didn't get involved in any of that. And it always surprises me. So it does happen. But to keep in mind as a family, it is a family affair. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're yep. going to visit these people. I would hope you're going to have, you know, relationships. You are family. And to understand on whatever level, but just understanding and, you know, communicating properly is really uh, key. But I, it is, and I can't beat that home enough, I guess, along with yourself, it is a family affair. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had a wonderful example um, that you've brought to mind of, uh, in a previous uh, podcast, I had a gentleman on, and he had said that, uh, you know, he had dated someone, and they split up with him, they left him, they didn't want to continue their relationship, and they said, well, I can't deal with the fact that you are a diabetic. And... It really, really, um, it felt, made him feel terrible, obviously, the loss of the relationship, and he really liked this individual, and the fact that she said the diabetes was something that she could not handle. Well, he found out um, a little bit later on that she had been in a previous relationship where the gentleman was a diabetic, and they split up because he was a diabetic. So in hearing what you're saying, I'm imagining this person had an issue in her relationships 
not necessarily it wasn't about the diabetes that's two people with diabetes you would think you would think if she was in two relationships side by side and both of the partners were diabetics that maybe it is maybe she just can't deal with you know someone being a diabetic but really it's she can't deal with the relationship and the commitment issues Mm-hmm. I would think, and of course, I'm you know using really broad layman terms here, but um, it seems to be more about that, not the condition at hand. Yes. So what what the men should be saying to her is, "Thank you." Thank you for letting me know now. <laughs> Yeah, and What's down the road ending for me? the relationship. <laughs> so really, at the, uh, you know, really what I'm hearing from you is it doesn't have to be about the condition itself. It's really a go-to, um, a place to blame um, and shift what's really going on with communication in the relationship rather than the condition itself. Mm-hmm. So really important to keep in mind whether, you know, there's dysfunctional uh, management or difficulties management in management. It doesn't have to be a big source of resentment and argument. It's all in the way you choose to communicate with each other Mm -hmm. as a family and as a, you know, partner to partner. And really understanding that they should be, the other party who doesn't have diabetes, should really be part of the process of getting yourself functional um, and getting over difficult parts of your management. Mm -hmm. And that you shouldn't have to be that lone wolf and feeling Mm -hmm. alone in that journey that they should be part of it. And it... And I think a lot of people get lost in that where they think, oh, I don't want to bother my partner. Oh, no, this is about what I should be doing. And the other person may or may not want to be more engaged and maybe even take over. But in involving them in the journey and what you need to do, there's a lot of light shedded there, I think. And, yeah. you know, right. And in communication so that they're not wanting to necessarily overpower you or be under supportive but in choosing your words correctly, a lot of this can sort itself out. Absolutely. So I instead of you. Big yep. important message there. I love that. That's awesome. And I have to, um, I have to say, I, I, that's something I'm really pulling away with me to keep out of the uh, blame game and get into arguments. And is the I. In expressing my feelings about something that's annoying me, the I instead of you. Mm-hmm. And how powerful that can be and how you can and really let someone know how you're feeling in order to support them or make a, a, a positive change in the situation. Yeah. That's fantastic, Dr. Beth. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, really, you know, that's empowering. I instead of you. Good. Thank you. Yes. Pleasure. Something to think about. If you're having problems in your relationship and you think it's all about diabetes in the dysfunctional management or in difficulties in the management of this condition, it may only be playing a very small part in the big picture. 
Thank you for joining me today in choosing the balanced life with diabetes. Please send me an email with any comments or stories you'd like to share. Anita at anitacoach.ca and follow me on Twitter at Anita Westlake.